Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Luke chapter 16, I'm starting in verse 1. This is a parable of, in some Bibles it probably says this, the shrewd manager. You may have heard this, this parable before, but it's the parable of the shrewd manager. Let's pick it up, verse 1. It says, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. In other words, he told him to come in for a meeting, but he'd already told him he'd lost his job before he even got there. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. That's a lot of olive oil. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. In other words, knock it down by 50%. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told them, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are people of the light. Jesus said this, I tell you, verse 9, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. So that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Verse 10, whoever can be trusted in very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value Highly is detestable in God's sight. Amen. Father, we just pray. Let your word speak to us today and challenge our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today we're looking at the parable of the shrewd manager. I don't know if you've read this before. It's actually, I've seen it many times in the Bible and we, I've looked at it a lot But it's one of those parables that you very rarely hear many people talk about. 
we hear a lot about the talents and uh, the, 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 what we're going to do with our talents in the in the story in the parable when the man uh, the man has the talent and what's he going to do with it? Does he bury it? And the person's requesting and checking what he's doing. But this parable is slightly different. If you look at it and compare it to the other ones, it's very different. And actually, this parable. What's very, very interesting and why it's kind of one of the parables that you probably don't want to preach from because actually no one in the parable is actually righteous. No one in this parable is actually that righteous. The only one who's in the parable is righteous really seems to be Jesus. And he seems to give some advice that seems a little bit confusing. He says use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves then you'll get an eternal reward. And it's one of those parables that sometimes we look and we glance across and we, we think, well, I kind of understand it, but I'm not, I, I'll leave it to Jesus. I'll leave it to, I'll, I'll forget about that one. I'll read the other ones I do understand. But today I just want to focus on it because I really believe that God wants to speak to us. And this particular parable speaks a lot about money. I never, I very rarely, you'll very rarely hear me talk about preaching on money. I'm not a person who likes to see that we preach on money and we want to see money come in. I believe God will do what he wants to do. I'm always a believer in that. I trust him so much. So, but it's good to talk about giving. Giving is an act of worship, doing this kind of thing. One of the things I mentioned to you in the uh, message I spoke on recently in the, in the, uh, looking at the vision was to talk about us blessing each other. Now, I don't know if anyone's already been doing that, but one of the things I talked about in strengthening the sticks is that we can, we can do it in many ways, but one of them is to bless each other. Not necessarily putting it in on Sundays. Someone mentioned last week the difference between the tithe and the offering. Many of us, we get so hooked on the tithe that we just forget about giving. The tithe is what we should give. We're obligated to give. It's God's to start with. When giving, we're almost saying we're giving in abundance above that. And you have an opportunity with giving to worship God and to give away your things. Trusting God. Now that doesn't mean you give to the church. It means that sometimes you bless other people within the family of God. I know that many of us would love to be blessed by someone, but we're not always that good at deciding to do it the first time. Um, we recently we went on a, 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 a leadership course, and one of the things they said to us, they said, we want you to go away. And they said, we want you to bless one of the other people on the team. You've got to do this without letting them know anything about that, who you are and, what, and who sent the, the blessing. And it's amazing because... We had to give and then we were meeting again for another leadership meeting a few months, you know, three, four months later. And at first we were all holding back thinking, I wonder who's going to do it first. And everyone's waiting to see. And I says, we haven't received anything. Do you know an interesting thing? I'm not saying we were the first, but we said, let's just do what we need to do. We need to give. And we give. It's funny, Within as soon as someone starts, the whole thing starts to ripple through, you see. All of a sudden people start receiving things. I'm not saying it's because of us, but what we, unless someone starts this kind of thing, it will never start. We're all just hoping that we're going to receive. The characters in this parable, let me just look at them. The shrewd manager, for an example, the, the man who's been wasting the boss's money. An unrighteous character, he's been effectively blowing the money and just wasting it away. The boss gives him a call and he says to him, he says, I want you to come and give a count for what you've been doing with my cash. Because I've heard you're blowing it all. 
And I want to see the books. I want to see what's going on behind the scenes. So come and see me. You've got the shrewd manager, the boss. You might say, well, he's righteous. But actually, he condemns the manager for wasting it. He's trying to be righteous. But later on, he actually then congratulates the manager for being fraudulent. I mean, what, what lesson is there to be learnt in this? What lesson can be learnt in the fact that the boss is, is telling him, this is great that you've been fraudulent. And then there's the two business clients as well. The two clients, I'm sure there's many more clients that he had, but there's two specific business clients it tells us here, the one with the olive oil and the one with the bushels of wheat. And these two clients, you might say, well, they've been hard done to, but then all of a sudden they, he comes in and they, 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 they receive a blessing because one of them gets it 50% off. Unfortunately, the second one only gets 20%. I'll be having conversations with the other one. Maybe olive oil was a bit, you could give more away, but... He gives 50% then a 20% discount. But actually they were participating in the fraudulent activity because he said, get the bill, let's change it together. Sit down and let's change this together. So everyone in this parable is a little bit naughty. Okay. So what have we got to learn about this particular parable? It follows uh, the parable of the prodigal son. We all know that. That talks a lot about receiving inheritance, going away, spending, wasting cash again. Having something that's not ours and then someone receive, the, the father receiving the son back. There's a lot going on about money around these few parables. So it was obviously dear to Jesus' heart. Let me just say today that money, we have to admit that money empowers us to do things, doesn't it? You cannot tell me that if you don't, if, when you get money, it enables you to do the things that you want to do. If you want to go on a holiday, you want to buy a car, you want to do certain things in your life, you need money. It's the currency to spend on this earth. So it empowers us to do things. The problem is today is that money becomes the source of our life. And let me tell you what this parable, if there's one thing I can tell you, what this parable is about, if, if it's about anything, because at the moment I haven't given much, have I? But if there's one thing, it's about this. Jesus wants to change your attitude to money. He wants to change your attitude to the way you think about it and use it. Okay? It's a tool to do things with. Yes, it empowers us, but it's a tool in order for us to do some of the things we want to do. Jesus says, it's actually, he says, use worldly wealth. In fact, use the currency of this earth because it's actually going to have some impact in the future, eternally. There's sometimes in the past, we heard some great testimonies last week of giving and how that sometimes in this lifetime we see the result of a blessing back. I've seen it. Sam said the other week, he said that he gave and then they had a tax rebate. Something happened to me once in the building, the last building project. I thought, I've got to give a certain amount. I gave a certain amount. I thought, I cannot really do this. On paper, it seemed impossible. Within two months, I think it was after that, I think I got four times the amount back through something else. I'm not saying, it's not about here today saying, I'm very, I don't want to get into this kind of give money and you're going to get something back. You have to work out your own salvation and work out your own giving. It's not about that. You're not going to get something sent through the post like a little handkerchief or some special water from me if you give so much. 
It's about personal relationship. It's about sacrifice given to God. And God, in this parable, wants to change our attitude so that we see God as the true source. Money is just a tool. But unfortunately, for so many of us today, it becomes the very source of our lives. And it's so powerful and controlling, it's more controlling than you know in your own Christian walk. The title of the message today is this, The Apprentice. The Apprentice. I don't know if you've seen the uh, program on TV. There's several of them, I think, all around the world now. That This program of The Apprentice, and they've got one of them, I think, in this country, is Lord Sugar. And then they've got one, uh, Donald Trump. And they've got all these people who have much money, rich men, some of the richest men who then get these people for the sake of a TV program, they'll get these people together in a boardroom and say to them, we want to give you so much money. He's, he's actually taking the risk and giving them so much money to go out and do objectives and tasks to see what they're going to do with his cash. Let me tell you, he's got enough cash to do this. What he's interested in is not how much they can double that. He's looking at their wisdom of how they're dealing with his money longer term. And he gets these people in and effectively he's almost giving them the suitcase. He's saying, here's the money. You need to go out and you need to buy certain things. You need to do something with it. I'm trusting you with my money. And by the way, at the end of it, you're going to be called back into a boardroom and we're going to have a serious meeting and someone's going to get fired. Well, we know in this story that the poor guy didn't even get back to the boardroom before he got fired. He got the call first. He got a call and said, by the way, I've been looking. You're wasting my money. You're not doing a very good job with it. Your attitude towards my cash is not very good. Therefore, you're fired, but please bring the books. Let's have a chat. We have to remember, just as in that, in this apprentice situation, apprentice is someone who has been taught by someone else, they're given a job to do. We need to remember that our money that we receive is from the master himself. Okay? We need to remember that God gives us the ability to produce wealth. He gives us what we have. So many of us think it's all our own uh, work. It's what we've done. We'll give to God when we're ready. But God says, I am the one who gives this to you. James 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. We need to start to change our mind and concept on the fact that we are the apprentice and he is the master. He is the big boss. So many of us have got it the other way around. We're trying to be Lord Sugar. We're trying to be the, 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 the man with the rich man and trying to say we're going to decide what we're going to do. But I believe today that God wants to challenge us and say, remember your position. It will change your view of how you deal with your money. Jesus wanted people to understand that what you own in life is not actually yours. If you were to die today, do you think you can take everything you have with you? It's impossible. We have nothing to take away every one of us are equal he wants to see that we steward the money well steward our finances steward our wealth steward what we have well I've got three R's I've tried to do this to simplify it for everyone so three points but three R's there is, should I say three things that I want you to take away today from this parable the first is this recognize 
your opportunity. This man, the manager, had an opportunity. He gets fired on the phone. And then he says to him, come and see me in the boardroom. Bring the books. We're going to have a look through them, okay? You can imagine the nerves on this man when he thought, oh dear, he's going to see everything. He's going to see, he, he already knows things, but wait till he sees the books. This is not good. I don't know about you, when I used to be in my old job, they used to have an auditor that come round every three, four years. And I used to be so scared. My boss would come into the office and say, guys, everyone, we need to make sure everything's ready. The guy's coming. I've got no idea when this guy's coming in. And everyone's always scared for the door to open. And he'd say, listen, if he comes in, use this example, take him through, just show him these things. And no one ever seemed to be ready for these guys. I used to remember when I worked in supermarkets years ago when I was a young guy working, checking, uh, doing the stacking the shelves and everything. They used to say to us, by the way, a Mr. Shopper might come in just one day. And, and I'd be working on the things, I'd be putting the food on the shelves, and all the time I'm looking at people thinking, judging their character, are you the, are you the Mr. Shopper? You look like you don't look like you work here. And I tried to talk to people, trying to discover if they're the Mr. Shopper. Because I was scared. And this guy here, he, he gets this opportunity. He gets a window of opportunity. He's called into the boardroom to meet his boss, but he's given a a small window of opportunity to sort things out, to change his ways. Okay? And so what I want you to see here is that you need to recognize your opportunity. Today when I talk about this and and reveal the truths about this parable, God is giving us an, an opportunity to change our mindset. Amen? Because of his grace, he wants to change our mindset. On Some, some of us might have got this totally down to a T. We might be trusting God and, and, and acting wisely. But some of us today may be just getting the call right now and saying, do you know what? Do you realize I'm observing what you're doing? And I'm saying to you today, there's going to time when you're going to have to answer for what you're doing. I'm giving you a window of opportunity before you come and see me face to face to change your attitude and your ways. It's amazing when the pressure hits what we do. When I was in my old job, I remember one day I was sat there and I, my, my, my uh, senior next to me, many years ago, it was about 13 years ago, he, I'd been working there one year and the senior next to me one day was called into an office and he lost his job instantly. He come back in, he sat next to me, he said, Phil, he said, I've just lost everything. I've got a mortgage, just bought a new house, everything's gone. He says, they've, they've, just, they've got rid of me. I said, how long have you got? He goes, they've told me I've got to pack my things now and go. And I thought, wow. I'd only been there one year. He'd been there six years. So I was, I'd just come in. How bad did I feel? He's now leaving. I've only been there one year. And he's looked at me and he says, but the one thing they have done is they've said that they're going to help me. They're going to give me a three months grace. I can come in and use the computers and try to get a job and do something. It's amazing when the pressure hits us sometimes, when, when the real challenges come, there's a, a window of opportunity of grace for God to say to you, I, wanna, I want you to do something, but do something useful. And he came in for three months trying to find work, trying to do something because the pressure really hit him. He realized how much he needed work to pay for the bills and to do what he needed to do to sustain his life. And when the rubber hit the road, you could see the pressure had hit and now he wanted to find work. He realized the value of money. He realized the value of it in terms of doing things for his family and his life. I want to tell you today that maybe God's challenging you. He's saying to you today, I want you to look at the way you're operating with your money. 
operating with your wealth. We might be backed into a financial corner. Sometimes we, we feel pressured by the things that's going on around us. Let me tell you, I'm not excluded from that camp. I have times when I think, Lord, what? I remember when we've looked at houses in the past and we wanted to move, I said, Lord, I'd love to move there. But we always had to factor in the giving and the tithing before we did the moving. You can't just say, well, we'll do it and then trust God gives us enough to tithe. You have to say, God, I'm going to factor in before I do this. So many of us want to make the decisions first and say, God will bless me to give me enough money to do certain things. He gave him an opportunity to change and to do things differently. Deuteronomy 8 verse 17 to 18. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength and my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. There it is again. He's the one who gives us the ability to make this wealth. He gave you the talents. He gave you the jobs. He gave you the giftings. But you have to remember that. That he is the one. He's so amazing this. And I can put my hand up to it. But you ask many people. You say to them. You say have you got uh, money? They say I haven't got enough money to give yet to God. I've not got enough money to give. You get them in Monday morning to work. And if someone said to them at work. Oh by the way there's. I've got an Apple Mac computer that's worth a thousand pounds. I'm selling it for 200 because I need to shift this quickly. You watch how many people can find 200 pounds. You watch how many people, if someone said to you tomorrow, oh, there's a flat screen TV, it's worth 600, I'm moving to Spain, I'm moving to this part of the world, you can have it, 100 quid. Most people will find 100, but they cannot find it for God. How is it we can find this money for the things we want, but we can't find it for God? So many of us are like this and we, we treat our money in a different way. The whole thing, the system of money today, the monetary system, is just changed in completely to many years ago. I mean, now you can buy things and pay for them in seven years. You can go down the road, you can buy a sofa, you can go and see the sign, it says buy now, pay monthly, but don't even start paying for seven years. By the time you've bought the thing, the thing's worn out. You know, you buy a sofa, you buy the sofa, you've paid for it, you you start paying for it in seven years and you're already thinking there's a hole in it. Because the sofa was designed to last five years. So they knew that you'd be coming back again. And you know, these guys know. I mean, I went down to, to, I'm not just picking these up, but people like, you know, DFS and all these places, you go down there, you walk in, they ask all the right questions. Somebody said to me, they said, when you go in, they'll say, have you been here the first, is this your first time? I thought that was a really nice thing. That they were welcoming me. Do you know what? They had an ulterior motive. Apparently the motive is this. If you say, no, it's, I've been here before. They know that you're on second time. They're right in there for the sale. There's a lot of devious activity today that gets us to spend money. And to look at money in a completely different way. Then you sit on the sofa and someone said to me this. I said, I knew this because someone used to work for this company. They said, when you go in and you sit on the sofa, watch this. They will ask you, they will focus on your wife, if your wife and the kids. And said, do you like this? And then get them to apply the pressure along with them. So now you've got the person who's selling it to you and your whole family. They're now all working for DFS. How did they do this? This is what they do. This is the way our system is today. That credit is the buzzword. You can have things on the tick. You can have it and pay for it in years to come. 
So the concept of money and operating like Jesus wants to teach people, it's just, there's so much work to be done. Now I'm not saying that it's bad to lend and do these things. Some of us, I've got a mortgage, we have to do certain things. But if we can, try and avoid it where we can. But the, the thing is this, as I said, this parable is to teach us our attitude in the way that we should look at money. We should think about contentment, whether we're content in our lives. You know, we're all like it. We all want certain things. We buy a computer, then another one comes out. It's got a bigger hard drive, you think. And someone says, this has got thinner. It's got someone you want. Every one of us want the latest things. It's our nature. Paul said that we need to be learned to be content with what we have. That changes our concept of money. Philippians 4.12, he says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in in and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. In other words, the one who's going to give you the ability to have strength through this is God himself. Amen. He says, I've learnt the secret. There it is. Jesus has to come in these parables and reveal these things because it's sometimes, it's like a secret. We don't realize that contentment's hidden away. We have to find it and say, actually, I found contentment and I'm happy with what I've got. Do you know, there's some people come around to our house. When we moved into our house in 2006, the lounge needed decorating then. It's still not decorated. Now, I know I get a lot of pressure from Emma to change things and to do things. I've done certain rooms. But do you know what? And this is not me just being relaxed. I've started to learn that I don't really care. I love things to look nice. Don't we all? But the more and more I'm seeing of God do things at the moment, the more and more I take take my emphasis off these things. I just think, what on earth is all this about? What on earth is all this about? If that is my focus, wow. That's all I have. And if I was to die today, I can't take anything away with me. I want to invest into eternal dwellings. I want to invest into what he has eternally. Now, if he wants to bless me and help me with with someone painting the house or do, you know, all these kind of things, that's good. But I'm just so interested in God at the moment and seeing his glory. We need to change our concept. And learn to be content. Learn to know that we get strength from Christ himself to do this. Amen. Number two today. We need to reinvest. I put reinvest your future. The second R. Reinvest your future. You say, well, reinvest. I need something to invest with. God the master gives you the money to reinvest. He gives you the ability to produce wealth. The ability to be blessed so that you can reinvest. And that's what this story is about as well. Jesus wants us to reinvest our blessing. Okay? So many of us are not good at doing that. We love to receive. Jesus said it's better to give than receive. There it is. Put that on your fridge. It's better to give than receive. Jesus said to them, he said in verse 9, Luke 16, verse 9, he said, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. He's talking about an eternal reward. He's talking about if you start to use your money thinking, not thinking about you and now and trying to get, 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 can it and keep it all and sit on it. 
But to give, give, give. Do you realize you're, only, you're doing yourself a favor in this world, but not only this world, but the next? There's going to be a time when we stand before him. We'll be accountable. We'll be in the biggest boardroom you've ever seen. Oh, it won't be like Alan Sugar on his leather chair. When God stands before us and asks us to be accountable for what we've done, to walk through the books of our lives, of how we've dealt with things. When he's giving you today the window of opportunity to say, I'm going to change my concept and I'm going to think eternally about how I operate in wealth. He was preparing for tomorrow now. You see, the the guy realizes all of a sudden that he rings him up. He thinks, what? He says, what am I going to do? What am I going to do next? He's he's asked me to see him in the boardroom. He's asked me to go and see him now. What am I going to do next? So straight away he puts his thinking cap on. It's amazing. The pressure hits. The thinking cap goes on. Now he has to think, how am I going to change this and get wealth again? Because I need to think about tomorrow. And the next thing he does is another devious thing. He commits a fraudulent activity. He nips round to the client's house. And he says, listen, where's your bill? The guy shows it. He says, how much is it? He says, it's a thousand. He says, knock 50% off. Get the tipex out. Hide it. We'll change it to 50%. He'll never know. But if you do that, it means that I'll come and see you later. You better help me out in tomorrow. It's very devious. But look at this. The master likes this. He doesn't like the fact probably that he's stealing from him, but he likes all of a sudden this window of opportunity, this change of attitude, that he realizes the value of money and he's thinking about giving to others, but also thinking about tomorrow. And God wants you to change your attitude about how we see tomorrow. He gave the first one 50% off. What a naughty boy. 50%. I mean, that's better than DFS, isn't it? 50%. Poor guy, next guy gets 20%. But the master, it says, commended his dishonest activity. What he was doing. It's like you. Seeing someone come into your house. Break in. Just the other night, we thought we heard a noise. And I'm ready to see these guys if there's anyone coming in. And you know, if someone steals from you, you're thinking, well, I want to hold on to my stuff. You're thinking, well, I'm going to tell, you tell them, this is my stuff. But the guy here, it's almost like he seems to say, when the people come in to steal from him, he says he commends them. Boy, you've done a good job. You got in past my alarm and everything that I've got here, and you're stealing from me. And he commends them. Jesus commends us not for fraudulent activity, but for change of mindset. Of how we will think about tomorrow. When you think about tomorrow, you start thinking less about today and the power of money in this world loses its value. You start to realize he is the source. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Amen? Amen. He recognized the opportunity. Matthew 6, verse 19 to 20, Jesus says this about storing up treasures on earth. He says, don't store up treasures for yourselves on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, and he follows on to saying this, he says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. In other words, 
Start thinking eternally. Lay up treasures in heaven. Because one day you might walk in there and you've been trying to hold on to things or you've not been dealing with it properly here. And then in heaven, God says, you know, how can I really trust you in heaven? In the way that I want to do and bless you because I've seen how you operate on earth. We need to store up treasures I've put here for the unseen future. We can't see it now. Sometimes we can't see what's ahead. But we have to think we're in an eternal realm. And we need to use what we have now, worldly wealth, to gain friends for ourselves. That means bless people. Bless others. Whether you get it back or not. When God sees your change of heart, I'll tell you, it will be limitless what he can do in your life. I met a pastor once and he said this. Maybe we all need to get a taste of this. But he said this once. He said, anything that I ever get... And he he had quite a few things. He said, anything I ever receive or get or I bought, if there's a point in my life where that thing becomes so valuable that I couldn't live without it, he says, I give it away. And he did that for a big car. He says, I loved this car. But it got so, I got so attached, it was something that I couldn't live without. He said, the moment it got to that, the moment I realized it had more power over me than I thought. So I said, I'm going to give it away. And he gave it away, and then someone gave him a better car. Then he did it again. And he kept doing this and blessing people. And then all of a sudden, he realized that as, start, as soon as he started to operate with kingdom mentality, things started to change. And I think he got a taste for this, that he liked to realize that giving is better than receiving. Maybe some of us need to do that today. Maybe there's things that you have now that you know that if you, you can think of them now that if someone wants to take that away from you, you couldn't live without it. Well, maybe you can give it away. I promise you this, you will reap tenfold. The Bible tells you that, not me. The Bible says if we give, we will reap. Amen. Luke six thirty eight says, give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured back into your lap. For the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, how, you, how are you measuring things? How are you measuring your money? How are you measuring the way that you operate financially? You need to think with kingdom mentality. Jesus said, didn't he? He said, seek ye first the kingdom then all these things will be added to you. What you need, the things we need. Some of us need to think first about the kingdom. Finally today, number three, we need to reevaluate our priorities. Reevaluate our priorities. Jesus taught in this parable about the use of wealth. He taught us about making sure that the priority of money and him are the right way around. It's not just about how you use it, but it's priority in your life. We recognize the opportunity to be able to trade in the kingdom, in kingdom mentality trading. And we've also realized how we can reinvest into the future and give and operate in that way. But finally, I believe we need to look at reevaluating what the priority is. Where does money sit? Our finances sit In terms of that and God and our relationship with God himself. See, Jesus said this. 
in the Luke 16, what we read earlier, verse 10 to 11, he said, whoever can be trusted with very little, the King James says the least. So NIV says, whoever can be trusted with the little, the King James Version says the least, can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little, the least, will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? In other words, did you, do you see this? At the end of this parable, what we need to realize is that Jesus is saying, you need to put money as the least. So many people, I've met them, that money is the top of gender in life. Money is the key. It's the key to success. It's the key to everything that they're going to do. And it's their focus in life. But he says here, when you realize, if I can trust you with the least, he calls it the smallest. He says, this is the least thing you need to be worried about, money. If If I can trust you with the least, in other words, prioritize it to be the lowest. If I can trust you with that, then I'll trust you with great, true riches. He is not talking about money. When he talks about true riches, he's not talking about money. I think today that so many of us are like this. Our priorities are the wrong way around. We, ca- we want God to move through us with the riches of his power and the Holy Spirit. Seeing miracles, seeing healings, seeing God move on people's lives. We want to see all this kind of stuff, but yet we cannot deal with the least because our priorities are the wrong way around. We cannot even give to God and sacrifice in this way, but yet we want him to give us his true riches of the power of his Holy Spirit. And I believe that if you want to see some of the great things, it's not that you buy it from God. God doesn't charge us to say, well, if you give me so much money, I'm going to let you operate. I just believe that there's some principles that we need to get right first in our lives because so many of us want to see the glorious true riches working through from heaven, but we're not prepared to operate with worldly wealth for eternity. And I want to challenge you today to change your priority of where money is concerned. He calls it the least, worldly wealth. Proverbs 23, verse 4 to 5 says, Don't wear yourselves out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Jesus wants us to trust in him for his true riches that he has that he has storehouses full of. He can give us what we need, but first we need to seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. I believe until we prioritize what's important and we put God first, we're not going to see some of the things we want to see. I believe that for me, it's not about buying God. It's about the certain things sometimes in my life I've noticed that the more I've sacrificed and given and, and, and God's changed me in other things, the more he's allowed me to operate in other things. He seems that way. God is looking for change of heart. That's all he's looking for. Of total obedience and throwing everything on him, saying, God, I'm going to totally trust you. Because if you cannot trust him with your finances, how can he trust you with his power? You might say, no, 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 you you don't buy it. It's free. His grace is free. 
His salvation is free. But there is a cost to operate in kingdom. There's always a cost. And I'm learning that more and more. And I'm realizing the more I want to see God move, the more he's asking me to give more of myself away to him. Throw myself on him. We sing the songs, I give myself away. Well, are we really? Are we really? Because when we give ourselves away, it's not just a few little things he's saying. Surrender everything to me. All your ways acknowledge me. Hallelujah. Our priorities are another key thing. Because many of us are like this. We say we want to we wanna give to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to do certain things to operate in God's power and we're willing to give. But do you know this? Also our motives are the other key. Our motives have to be right for what we want to use God's power for. If you ever read in Acts chapter 8 verse 18, it talks about Simon the sorcerer. Boy, this, this guy was doing lots of things, attracting lots of people with power and, and, and doing things that attracted the people in the streets. This man. But do you know this? It says in verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He said, I want to buy. He actually realized the value of wealth that he actually wanted. He was willing at that moment to say, I, the, the value of this wealth, I want what these guys have got. And I'm willing to give my cash because th- this just looks so much better than money. And, and this guy is Simon the Sorcerer. You know, he probably had all the posters around there saying this is Simon the Great Sorcerer. But yet what they had when he says just by the laying on of hands, what, they, what he witnessed, he was willing to give his money to buy. Now hear this. You need to change your attitude in your money. But for him, he was willing to give his money, but his motives were wrong. His motives were for his self-glorification. His motives were, you know, I'm doing so well in this town. I want some of this. This power is just exceeding what I have. But if I have this, if I give some money, then I can be even greater. But listen. Learn the principle. He saw the value of the power of the true riches of God. He saw it there and then. He was willing to give his money. Lose the value of money. But do you know what? He had the wrong motive. We have the chance today because we have the right motive. We have the right motive. Sometimes we just don't realize the value. So we hold on to our money. This is not about giving to the church, by the way, so that you put money in and then you'll get power. Don't get me wrong. This has nothing to do with that. Do you know all I want, the, the, I'd be more blessed if you just went away and just blessed people. Just do it to other people, do it in your families, just bless people, bless people who are not Christians. Just bless people. Just do what you have to do. It's not about getting money here. You, if you put certain money in, it's not going to guarantee you a certain amount of power and you'll see a miracle. That's wrong. All he's looking for is a change of heart. And we can do that in our families, not in the buckets here, can't we? We can do that in our families. In, in, and God knows what you're doing. He knows the secrets of our heart. Hallelujah. Someone quoted this. You aren't wealthy until you have something that money can't buy. You aren't wealthy until you have something that money cannot buy. And Simon the sorcerer, as good as what he was, he realized that money couldn't even buy God. I want to tell you today, you have an opportunity to know the master, to know who he is, to operate in his kingdom, 
to live this kind of mentality, we have an opportunity of a lifetime. We have such an amazing opportunity. And right now today, we've been given the call. One day, you might have to stand before the Lord, not me, and it'll be your boardroom call. But I want to tell you today, please take this as a bit of advice from this parable to change your attitude to something that could crush you. But in other words, if we was to trust God, you will have a life abundantly through him because we trust in obedience to him in everything that we have. If the team want to come back up, we're going to close in worship just shortly. But just to finish this, last scripture, in 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 10, says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www. .kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.